Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Friday, April 8th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Well, that was a nice opening day result for the Royals, a 3-1 victory over the Cleveland Guardians. Two of the game's top performers came from players who weren't in Royals uniforms last year. Zach Brinke pitched five and two-thirds innings of one-run ball and was terrific in pounding the strike zone. And then Bobby Witt Jr., the youngest player in team history to make his major league debut, delivered the game-winning hit in the eighth inning. We talk about those developments and more with Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell on today's Sportsbeat KC. The show started as a Sportsbeat Live broadcast, so let's get started. Hey, good morning from blustery Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly interactive show where we talk Kansas City Royals with you and the folks cover the team like Lynn Worthy and Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. Uh, guys, how about the Royals yesterday? 3-1 victory over the Cleveland Guardians. Um, I got to remember to say Guardians. And um, nice opening day performance by the Royals. I'll leave it up to you where we start here. Do we go with how to calculate a magic number or where to get playoff tickets? Which way do you want to go on this? Because I think um, Kansas City Royals fans pretty pretty happy with themselves today and with what they saw on opening day. So before we get into uh, the topics, let me just remind you that uh, this is your show as much as ours. Please send us your questions and comments, and we will get to as many of them as we can. So um, good place to start, Lynn, is uh, at uh, at the end and work, work our way backwards. The, uh, the Royals came into the eighth inning, game tied, bottom of the eighth, game tied at one. And uh, Bobby Witt was not due up right. It was uh, he was the like, fourth or fifth hitter in the inning, and then uh, this happened. Monty, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get it out of the way early here. Line to left field into the corner. Base hit number one, RBI number one, and Bobby Witt Jr. gives the Royals the lead in the bottom of the eighth. Welcome to the big leagues, Bobby Witt Jr. You just got your first big league knock with a stake attached. Crowd liking it here at Kauffman Stadium, chanting his name like he's a superstar. Like he's a superstar. Um, pretty big moment, Linda, wasn't it? Uh, the way it's set up and for him to come through in that, that, that was big time. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, I think Mike Matheny was the one who said you couldn't have scripted it, you know, pretty much any better um, for the kid who we've written so much about, people have talked so much about, you know, for people have heard so much about and been waiting for, you know, I mean, this time last year, people were, you know, um, almost uh, rioting. How come he's not on the opening day roster, even though he played I think, a total of 37 professional baseball games? Um, and so now he's finally here. And so what he's doing his first game with the game on the line, uh, delivers a RBI doublet, you know, basically, um, drove in the rip, the winning run. He, he ended up winning three, one, and he ended up scoring the insurance run too, just to, you know, to finish and touches on it. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, 
And I was wondering if it was, you know, as the inning's going on, I was like, it's not really going to unfold this way, is it? I mean, because you get Michael Taylor walks, they bunt him over, and so you've got runner in scoring position, the tie game for with Merrifield and then Bobby, and you figure Witt's probably, you know, Witt's a really good situational guy. He probably knocks it in, and if not, then it comes down to the kid. Witt strikes out, so now it's two outs, and it comes down to the kid, and the kid delivered. On a pitch that was probably not a strike, little up and in on him, but he got his bat around and uh, and then tomahawked it into into the left field corner. So, um, big moment, Sam. The um, uh, the post game celebration involving Bobby Witt Jr. also included, I believe, some condiments. Yeah, um, you know, I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition because. The reaction on the field was exactly what Rex Hudler mentioned. It was like he was a superstar in his very first – before he took his first at bat. I mean, they were chanting his name and giving him a standing ovation when he was first introduced. Um, they did have the superstar two batters later that I noted um, who, who got a, a very tepid applause from the crowd. And Perez. Just just led the league homes last year. And RBI, right. And RBI. But you've got um, – and then he goes into the locker room and Whit Merrifield said, hey, it's your guys' job to hype him up. It's our job to, to keep him grounded and remind him he's a rookie. And they did that by, as Whit Merrifield said, finding anything they could find in the kitchen. And uh, they, they stuffed him in a laundry basket and, and poured anything they could find on him. <laughs> yeah, so um, usually we associate condiments with the condiment race. Uh, <laughs> I mean, include the post game celebration. Um, let's do a uh, let's do a sound check and see if Vahe has joined us. You there, Vahe? Okay. Well, we'll we'll here, but... you're here and you're not is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I don't know what um, technical go. difficulties. You sound good, but you sound good. Really? Okay. You do. You do. Uh, so. Your turn to win on Bobby Witt. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, and, and well, thanks for that, Bobby. I also hey, noticed. I also I also noticed yesterday. I'll give you the Zach Rainey thing. He, he's good. But I don't want to go on too much. Uh, however, he put it. Also, yesterday I observed the wind could be a factor. Um, <laughs> hey, look. I mean, you uh, said you said that beforehand, Bobby. You were a student. You said that before the game started. Yeah, don't think I'm just uh, you know making it up on the fly. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I think I think we got the best of everything yesterday with that. I mean, it it there was nothing to pronounce judgment on if he if he did come through in that moment. I mean, just would be like, okay, well. Uh, you hope for magic on this moment and didn't get it. And that, that's how it would have been. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't change, I think, how we look at his uh, arc in front of us. On the other hand, seeing him come through in really not just uh, a moment that he manufactured, but a moment of some, you know, would-be pressure was, was pretty special. I mean, that's, that gives you a little view of the guy's mindset. Um, we, we had a nice time with him afterwards. I thought one of the uh, most interesting answers he gave um, was actually, actually, it was my question, but I don't think that's why it was an interesting answer. Um, it was just asking him about uh, the nerves. And he kept, he said, yeah, he kept waiting for them to hit like uh, pregame, nothing. 
uh, first at bat, nothing, nothing. And I, I, I think that that state that's going to stay with me. Now we'll, we'll see him struggle later. Um, it's just going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, but I think he's got the tools to work his way through and out of those struggles. And I, that's probably um, the thing that I think we can see most in his imprint coming into this through all he's played across the country. Sam and Lynn both did exceptional jobs in the last couple of days with laying out, you know, who he is and what he's about and what this hype, uh, what's behind the hype. And I think it's a lot of substance behind the hype. I, I think that was the most revealing thing that Bobby Witt said yesterday was was in response to, to your question, specifically because it was your question. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I thought when he said that he wasn't nervous, um, that's what we've heard about this guy from his teammates and, and the manager included and, and some front office people that that's one of the reasons he's different is the moment never seems too big for him. Um, one of the things that that I wrote about in that article you mentioned, Bahe, was uh, look. There's nothing like major league pressure. You know that that's always been the ultimate dream for Bobby Wood Jr. Um, and so, therefore, you know the pressure at the major league level should be greater than anything he's ever experienced. But that doesn't mean his previous experiences don't factor into what he what he went through yesterday. And as a freshman in high school, he was named the number one player in the country. So everywhere he went the opposition knew this is the number one player in the country. And of course he's treated differently. Um, you know, he was named the number one prospect. He was the minor league player of the year. He was the MVP for team USA. So I do think he's had experiences that have prepared him for something that he went through yesterday, mentally and emotionally. But still, I, like I said, it was the most revealing thing for him to say he did not feel nerves at all in that moment. And, and you know, the, the hit is fantastic. But I actually think the best news for the Royals front office is exactly what he just said in those in that comment. I I think also, you know, revealing is how he how he took it all in. But I think also the way the Royals viewed him going into that moment is also pretty revealing. I mean, um, after the game, there's, you know, I think I asked Mike Matheny about like as it's lining up and you're looking at how it's unfolding. Are you at all getting nervous for the kid? Are you sort of like looking to see how he's feeling it out? And Mike Fee said, no, I wasn't concerned at all. He's like, if anything, he said he was excited to see how this thing, how he would perform in that spot. And going back to when we were still in Arizona, um, talking to JJ Piccolo, the general manager, uh, and asking him about like, you know, are they worried about pressure, especially where it looked like, you know, at this point he hadn't been officially named to the team, but we were talking about, hey, he could be batting between two all-stars. Like this kid who never played, who's a top prospect, who's got all this attention. Now, yesterday, Ben and was batting third and Salvi was fourth. But a lot of times they'll flip it and they'll have Whitmerfield, an all-star, the second spot. And then Salvo Perez, an all-star, who, you know, led the league home runs in RBIs last year. And Bobby Wood Jr. was on that spot in between them a lot of times. And that's, you know, what their they looked like the plan was going to be. And JJ's response was, at this point, they're not worried about that. They're not worried about the pressure. It's just lineup construction. And for, so for this kid to not even have played in the big league second, they already said they're past that before he's even got there. They're past worrying about that and that they want him coming up more times in the lineup. Um, I think that and then the way that they just were like, yeah, we'll, we want to see how this plays out on the first game. That That's telling, too, that they they feel comfortable. I mean, even without having seen it, 
they they were pretty confident what they were going to see. I think that's an interesting point, uh, Lynn, because there there was so much said on the broadcast yesterday, and and, and I've seen it other places too. Uh, as people were trying to remember the last time a Royals player entered the season with this much expectation. And then the easy answer is Alex Gordon in 2007 because of his uh, monster minor league year and, and his, his great career as a college player at Nebraska. Um, the difference is, one of the differences is um, uh, Alex Gordon didn't have a lineup like this uh, yeah. to, 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 you know, around him. And, and I'm not saying that, uh, that should have, you know, that led to you know some struggles early for for Gordon, but he absolutely didn't have, you know, the the American League leader in home runs and RBIs, the you know the 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 guy who's gotten the most hits in the major leagues over the last five years, um, uh, you know, around him in the lineup, and I think that's going to help Bobby Witt. But the other thing that I noticed yesterday, just his first at bat, he, you know, he 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 has a little bit of the that um, bad swing on on Bieber's first pitch, and I'm thinking, uh oh, you know, he's he's not ready. He turns out he just, he pops to right field, but he got you know he, he made solid contact. Bieber's a strikeout pitcher; he didn't strike him out. And I I, I remember thinking at that at that moment that he's ready. You know, he he's, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment, and he absolutely wasn't when it came you know when it, when it came to the biggest moment of the game in in the eighth inning. Well, I, I think that was what you just hit on with Alex Gordon is the reason that that it's an easy comparison to make. But I think what you just hit on is why it doesn't work. You know, I think the, the Royals lost 100 games the year before Alex Gordon came up. This year's Royals team was 500 after the All-Star break last year. And I know some people tossed that aside and said, yeah, but they were out of the race. Um, but they still went 38 and 35 after the break. And that. Bobby Witt Jr. came into a different environment than Alex Gordon came into. Um, and it's not just the previous year. I mean, I, I think the fact that this organization has won a World Series gives that entire clubhouse confidence, considering it's the same front office, that they are moving in the right direction. They're moving towards something. When Alex Gordon arrived, I, what what was the reason for the confidence that that's, they were moving towards something? The, the recent history showed you that they were not. They were perpetually losing 90 to 100 games. And so um, I, I think you can't underestimate the the environment that Bobby Witt has stepped into and just the impact that's going to have, especially on, on this first season here. And one thing I, I'd add is just, you know, talking about him performing in the spot that he did. Um, and this is a, one of those things that it's hard to quantify. And, and you know, it's um, I don't know how you can really uh, you know prove it or not. But I still think. Um, for him to be able to come through like that and to be as relaxed. I mean, part of it is the, like we talked about the way that he's had all this attention on him. I also think part of it is, and he was, we had this conversation with him in February um, last year after he didn't make the big club, he went down to the minors and the first couple of weeks he didn't struggle, but he had, uh, he didn't perform as well as he typically does. And some of that was a lot of strikeouts. And he said, looking back on it, he was trying to do too much because he felt like not making the team meant he needed to do more, he needed to show more, he needed to show more of what he could do. And so he was pressing and trying to do a little bit more with every at-bat, and that's where the strikeouts went up at the beginning of last season. And he felt like he learned from that. 
And that's where you see this, you know, he's sort of gotten into this refrain of just trying to be the best, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. I can be and just do that, that sort of thing. Um, part of that was coming from, okay, try to do more and try to do, play even better than he could and, and produce even more early last season. And he's sort of gotten away from that. And I think that's where, you know, you sort of take for granted that that season in the minors, his only full season in the minors was beneficial in him just sort of learning some things, maturing a little bit, going through some experiences that he hadn't ha had to go through because he was just a dominant player at the levels he'd been at before. Um, if he doesn't have that, maybe last year in the big leagues he is pressing. Maybe he's trying to do too much. Maybe he's trying to show out. Maybe he's, you know, he's in a spot like yesterday and he's thinking, I got to hit a home run and show everybody and the crowd's going crazy. Instead, he's just saying, okay, I, I don't have to do anything more. I just have to do what I can do. Um, and again, I say it's unquantifiable. It's, you know, it's, it's something that just, it seems that way. It's just a feel thing, but I don't think we should overlook that. Well, another reason why that hit was so important in the eighth inning is uh, nobody wanted to play extras yesterday. <laughs> Man, it looked cold out there. I know it was cold out there. And, and, and thank goodness the Royals aren't playing today because it's even colder in Kansas City today. Um, should be warmer on Saturday when when Brad Keller uh, makes the start against uh, against Cleveland. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. And that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right. The other big development to me was that was the performance of Zach Greinke, and he was. Uh, look, I, I know that this is just recency bias from from me, but I just remember plenty of opening days where the Royal starter took the ball and um, and, and could throw strikes, right? And we're going walk after walk, and it, it's just a disaster. Who can forget last year's? Um, it was five to five after the first inning. Well, to see Grinky come out and just pound the strike zone and with, with a variety of pitch, pitches was so refreshing and reflective of such a, um, a veteran pitcher who saw young there, you know, top of his game at, at, at certain, you know, point is top, top of baseball at certain points of his career and delivered a, an opening day performance that was, uh, that was terrific for the Royals. Um, Sam, what did uh, what did you make of Zach? Well, the, the strikes uh, were the most refreshing element, you know. I mean, because as soon as he left the game, um, the two relievers, Josh Stamont and uh, who was it, uh, Len Jake Brent, Jake Brent, Stamont and Brent. Yeah, Brent came those, in first, and then Stamont. yeah, and then Stamont. Yeah, those two guys combined walked three of the first six hitters they faced. And Grinky had walked one of the 22 he faced. And the Royals and, and 
Lynn and I were looking this up during last game because he knew it, and I was looking it up to, to make sure. Uh, they were second in the American League in walking hitters last year, only one behind the Angels. I think they've walked 591 guys in 162 games last year. So to me, that's been a big emphasis for the pitching staff. Mike Matheny's talked about it. They just got to throw in. In fact, when you ask Mike Matheny about a player, a pitcher individually um, for strike throwing, he says, well, the whole staff has to throw more strikes. And, you know, we talked about a lot of the reasons they got Zach Greinke. Um, but to me, nothing's going to have a better influence than watching him throw strikes and the fact that when he's in trouble, it's not self-inflicted. You know, guys may hit him sometimes, but it's not a result of him putting guys on bases and getting himself in trouble. And and how about, you know, one of the things I think that jumped out at both of us uh, right off the bat was just Zach Grinke coming out there. Uh, no, no sleeves, no long sleeves, you know, right, I mean, he was, right. he, he was, he, I mean, McDowell was in the press box ready to cry because it was so cold and Grinke's <laughs> out there, you know, just well, I, I think, I think the new PR guy lowered the temperature because he likes it a little bit cooler. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and and with the strikes, let me just um, and, and one of the things I think when, when Sam and I were talking about was um, you know, in in spring training because you know people there's always somebody who wants to make too much out of spring training games, but um, some of the starters um, who you know maybe get, like I'm thinking particularly Carlos Hernandez gave up some home runs, um, guys who just come out and ambush first pitch strikes like you know. They weren't really concerned about that because they wanted that mentality of you're coming out throwing strikes, not worried about guys jumping on fastballs you're not game planning for in spring training. They want come out, throw strikes. If anything, walks would have been the thing that they would have been concerned about. Guys hitting home runs in spring training games, not worried about that. That meant you were in the zone, you were throwing strikes right off the jump. So it's just so refreshing to see that, to see. You know, strike, 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 and I, I don't. I think he threw in the first inning anyway. We went one, two, three. I, I think there was one, one pitch out of the strike zone. So uh, great to see. And uh, turn the double play. You know, Grinky, a, a, a Gold Glove pitcher, turned the double play, and the defense was good all day. And and it was uh, he was right. Zach Grinky was correct in pointing that out afterwards. The uh, Bobby Witt made a nice play against uh, when when the Royals had a shift on, and of course the probably the defensive highlight was Nicky Lopez making the dive diving stop. Grinky's um, only been pitching for what twenty years or so. Says it's one of the best plays he's ever seen. I thought that was a little a uh, little over the top, but it was a nice play. It was funny that he complimented that play in that manner, and then. Um... When he was asked about his comments on Bobby Witt, he said, um, he's really good. Sorry, I don't want to go over the top at the moment. Yeah. It's like, well, you just said this was one of the best plays you had, you had ever seen. Uh, but I do think there was a strategy to that. I, you know, Zach Greinke was the the 20-year-old kid pitching for the Royals in the big leagues and probably felt some of the pressure that he's he doesn't want Bobby Witt to feel. So I thought it was strategic. I mean, he's a super smart guy. Um, that he, he didn't want to gush over a kid after one game. Um, Nicky Lopez had a really good day, though. Uh, you know, he's, he's moved, he's sort of the forgotten piece of this whole Bobby Witt thing because Adalberto Mondo sees it short, where, you know, Nick, Nicky Lopez had a fantastic, led the league and defensive run saves at that position last year, moves to second base. Um, and oh, by the way, he takes advantage of the fact that, uh, the left fielder is, is playing him. You know, like like a little league softball distance. So um, gets the extra base hit for the first RBI, makes the defensive play of the game, and 
also had the bunt that that moved uh, moved the guy over to put him in scoring position in the game. Absolutely. Well, and Sam, don't forget you, you talk about you know Grinky sort of downplaying that one. Just refer to your the line that you I think you, you had from Wit right. Their job is to remind him that he's a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Our yeah. job, pump him up. Their job, keep him in line. So there you go. The twenty year vet knows that well, or nineteen. Yeah. I loved also how uh, Grinky reminded us that his first uh, his first game it was either his first victory or his first game at Kauffman Stadium was against the Lazed Expos. <laughs> That's how long it's been since uh, uh, since Grinky made his uh, debut. Hey, uh, just a couple of kind of news items, uh, Lynn. There was a um, uh, on, on morning of opening day some contract news involving uh, with Merrifield. So signs an extension. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it was a, it was a restructure. Um, the deal that he, the extension he signed before the 19 season, um, gave put the team option for next season. Um, and so by restructuring, what happened was they picked up his option for next season and they basically flipped around some salary numbers. So he was going to make, I think, this year less than three million dollars. Now he's going to end up making um, like seven and next year's base salary ends up being like two point something, uh, two point seven um, with some bonuses that's up to an extra four million. But so more or less, they flipped those years and he's already got next year locked in. So, you know at least contractually, he's with the Royals for the next two seasons where he would have been going into this year playing and then waiting to see at the end of the season if they were going to pick up an option. Now, you know that he's here for the next two. They move the money around, so that really gives them a little more money to work with next season. Um, and that's on top of, you know, next year, you know, you have, uh, in theory, at least uh, Carlos Santana's money comes off the books. Uh, you already traded away, um, you know, Mike Miner, but then you added Grinky, who's only on a one-year deal. So just freeing up with some more money for them next season, and you keep with um, here for at least two more years, uh, at least as of right now. And we know Brad Keller is going to start Saturday's game. How does the rotation shake out after that? Well, they, they had not named the fifth starter until yesterday. They made it official that uh, Daniel Lynch will be the fifth starter. So you've got Granke, Keller, and then I believe it's Bubich Hernandez. Um, going off the top of my head. Uh, and then Lynch has got the fifth game. I know it's it's Bubich Hernandez with the other two. I just can't remember if it was Bubich Hernandez, Hernandez, Bubich. Um, but I believe it's Bubich Hernandez um, for the last two games against the Guardians. And then the first game against St. Louis in St. Louis will be Daniel Lynch as the fifth starter, which means um, Brady Singer and Jackson Coar are both going to be bullpen pieces, at least to start the season, uh, while you've got the expanded roster. A little bit of a surprise there, with uh, especially with Singer? With Singer, yeah. I mean, well, it is in, in that, you know, he's one of the guys who's probably uh, of that group has pitched the most. Uh, he is the guy who's pitched the most of that group. He was the first pick that they had in that class that included, um, you know, Coar, Lynch, um, Bubich, and uh, Heasley. He was the first pick of that group. He was the first one who debuted. Uh, I think for that uh, that the people who uh, pitchers who debuted in 2020 in the majors, um, he was one of the uh, the guys who had logged the most starts. Um, in the majors, I think there's maybe two other guys who had as many or a little bit more than him since 2020. Um, so. It's surprising in that, but also not surprising in that if you, when it came down to him and Lynch, I think it was pretty clear just off of spring training that Lynch had performed better. And also Lynch is a guy who's got 
more he, he's shown more weapons in terms of being able to use more pitches where Brady has been primarily you know fastball slider and the changeup is still you know seems like we've been talking about the changeup since he was in the minor leagues and, and trying to use it more and trying to get better with it and uh, his reliance on those two pitches so um again it was a surprising that you know his track record said he'd been one of their main guys but it wasn't surprising that if he came down to those two guys that Lynch was the one who's seems to be better suited right now, at least, to be in the rotation. And how about roles in the bullpen for uh, Kowar and Singer? Because, look, we, we know who the closer is, and we, you know, the setup guys have been somewhat established with Stalmont and, uh, and, and, and Brents, and now with, uh, with, with uh, Garrett as well. So what, um, what, what do you think their roles would be? Well, they're, they're – I remember what was the term? Uh, hybrid was the term that Mike Matheny used. I mean, so basically they could be used any any number of ways. If you need a long guy, they could be doing that. If it's um, you know, it could be doing short innings. They, I mean, you know, one inning at a time. Um, they basically could be used any any type of way. Um, they, you know, and they they haven't ruled out that you know they could basically uh could possibly be used in spot starts um the idea at least right now is to um these guys will be available in the bullpen but they want to keep them stretched out um which will be interesting to see how that plays out but the idea is to be able to keep them stretched out so that they could pitch multiple innings they could you know potentially start if needed down the line um but they're not going to say that they won't be used in one inning outings if that's uh, the best way to use them Okay. All right, let, let's wrap it up on this thought. Um, I thought it was a somewhat of a minor miracle that the game came off at all, given the uh, the new vice president of communications at uh, with the Royals. Um, so, look, um, Sam Mellinger, former uh, Kansas City Star columnist and former Sportsbeat Live panelist, um, actually put on a coat and tie and stood at a podium yesterday. Um, and <laughs> Uh, performed his first visible duties as the Royals communications uh, chief. Sam, was it a, was it a total failure or just a just a partial failure? A uh, lot, lot of more jokes in the press box uh, <laughs> this year um, at that guy's expense. Uh, you know, from the moment I walked in, JJ Piccolo is wearing the Art Stewart jacket. Which is a really nice touch by, you know, Dayton Morrow's wearing it. George Brad had it. Mike Sweeney. Basically, they decided to tell everybody except the new VP of communications that they were going to wear this jacket. So I enjoyed him being left out on his first day. Um, he was just wearing a normal suit and tie, which I don't think I've ever seen Sam in a tie before either. No one has. Uh, <laughs> um, his, uh, you know, we, we got to hear him on the mic in the press box when they announce uh, changes to the lineup. Uh, he is very soft-spoken. Um, I thought my voice didn't carry, and my voice is louder with without a mic than his is with a mic. Um, so he's got some growing to do, for sure. Um, it's a long season. Um, it's, it's probably going to feel really long to him, um, but we're, we're, we're hoping. We're, we're optimistic that, that he can come around and grow into this role. Oh, man. Sam's going to be great. Uh, we miss him here at the Star, but uh, um, good, good on Sam. Um, and good on you guys, uh, Lynn Worthy, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, for joining us today, Monty Davis for producing, and we will be back with you again next week on a date to be determined. Thanks, Blair.
That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to producers Monty Davis and Randy Mason and the staff of Jeff Rosen and Chris Fickett. Tip of the ball cap to Limworthy, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian for breaking down Royals opening day. 44 pages in today's morning sports edition, including full Royals and Masters coverage. Just saying. Go to KansasCity.com and the subscription tab for more information. It will be back on Monday for another full week of Sportsbeat KC episodes. Mm-hmm.